this past Wednesday was known as Ash Wednesday, and uh, I had some people ask me this week if we had done Ash Wednesday. I said, no, and they said, why not? And I said, because we don't do that. It's not a bad thing. We just don't do that. Uh, you know, it starts a time of 40 days of, of people that we've just uh, commit to the first of the year, giving time of consecration, and uh, others do it before Easter, and 40 days they give something up and do that kind of thing, and just kind of self-reflection and seeing where they are and where they need to be with the Lord, and, and that's all wonderful. It's just not something that uh, we do uh, here and, and in this church. To and our praise to God, and yet blind eyes are not being opened on a regular basis. We are not seeing deaf ears unstopped and tumors being healed and growths disappearing and cancers falling off. The problem we have is we have noise and we have motion, but we need praise. I'm going to say that again. We have noise and we have motion, but what we need is praise. Praise cannot come from more, you know, I'm all about the emotion. I believe that when the presence of God comes in, that these physical bodies will respond in some way. And it isn't about how you respond, you just will respond when the presence of God touches your life. Can anybody witness that? But I'm telling you today that praise includes more than a jump and a jerk. But praise is something that comes from the inside of your soul. It is that that is in your heart that you release unto God a worship. Real worship must produce, be produced in your heart. And when you real praise comes out of your heart, it begins to create a place for God to inhabit. It doesn't matter if you're in the house of God, a church house, or if you're in your house, or if you're in a public house, that when you begin to praise and worship God, He inhabits that praise. He doesn't say that I will inhabit your praise on a Sunday morning. He doesn't say I'll inhabit your praise if you come to my church. But I'm telling you, he'll, if you'll praise him in the hospital bed, he'll come to where you are. It doesn't matter where you are and what the climate is or what the situation is. If you will give God praise, it will provoke him to step into your situation and show himself real and show himself strong. If I murmur and complain, he will not step into my, on the scene for me. But if I'll praise him, he'll come on the scene. He'll get involved in my situation. Even if I'm sick, even if I'm hooked up to monitors, even if I'm, they got tubes and IVs in me, if I'll praise him, he'll show himself. Amen. If I'm in a lion's den, he'll show up. If I'm in the middle of a fiery furnace, if I'll praise him. I can be in the jail at the midnight hour, but if I will lift up my voice and praise him, even though that my hands may be in cuffs and my feet in shackles, he will show himself strong and real if I will praise him. 
Amen. Among all the ceremonies and all the ordinances and the rituals that the priests were involved in, there was one particular duty that, that uh, the priest was involved in that was rarely mentioned. And in fact, it is only mentioned just a handful of times. And it, I believe that it is about three times that it is mentioned in the scriptures. We talk a lot, hear a lot and read a lot about the lamb. We hear a lot about the escape goat. We hear about the peace offering with the burnt offering, the meal and the meat offerings. But Salem mentioned is the red heifer. The red heifer was the only mention of it, I believe, in as three times. It was used to ratify a covenant. In Genesis chapter 15 and verse 9, the Lord gives Abraham a vision. And that vision, God tells Abraham that the promised seed will not come from his servant Eleazar, but it will come from his loins. He tells him his seed will be as the stars of the heavens, right? In verse 6, he said, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. And then the Lord tells him to get a she-goat, a ram, a turtle dove, a pigeon, and a heifer and offer a sacrifice. The shedding of blood was the binding thread. It was the consummation of the covenant. We are covenant people. I said we are covenant people. We have a covenant with God. And God doesn't just slip up over once in a while and say, whoops, I blessed them. No, that we have a contract of blessing. Amen. The Bible is our covenant with God. Amen. And there are various words in it that are interchangeable throughout the scripture. There's covenant and testament. There is testament and will. And have you ever heard of a last will and testament? Every will has three names connected to it. First of all, it has the tester. Then it has the beneficiary and then the executor. The tester is the one leaving the will. The tester has to die to put it into effect. It's not good until you die. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 16 said, For where a testament is, there must also have necessity of the death of a tester. For the testament is of force after men have died, otherwise it is of no strength, and at all while the tester lives. There is a testor, the one who leaves the will, and then there is the recipient of the will, the beneficiary. It is the one that receives the car, the house, the land. And then there is the executor. After the tester dies, the executor sees the wishes of that person are carried out completely. And that goes, that, that, that Joe gets the car and Sally gets the land and, and so forth. But you cannot be the testor and the executor both. Amen. You can't be the one who leaves it and also the one that is the executor to make sure that it is carried out. Jesus left us provision of salvation, of deliverance, of restoration. 
Then he shed his blood on the cross and sealed the deal, sealed the covenant, and he died and he put into effect that the, what he desired for us to have. The miracle is Jesus was both the testor and the executor. <laughs> he died to unlock the covenant, the provision, the promise, and then he rose again to become the executor to make sure that we, he would carry out to the fullest of what he desired for us to have in this life. It was used for unresolved issues. If there were, was uh, the, the ashes of the red heifer I'm speaking of, if there was an, a murder that was unsolved, if there was uh, somebody that had escaped and it was unknown who had, had committed the murder, they would go and they would take in Deuteronomy 21. He said, they remembered, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will repay. And so they would take the ashes of the red heifer and they would present them as if it were to say, we don't know who did this unjust crime, but God, we're going to leave it in your hands. We're going to let you deal with it because we don't know who it was, but we believe that vengeance is yours and you will repay this situation. There's a lot of people that can't leave things alone. They can't turn things loose. But whatever injustice has been done to you, whatever harm has been uh, presented on your life, in your past, you need to take care and, and take this advice this morning. If you don't take any of my other advice and, and listen to me and understand that you are far better if you will just let it go. Turn it over to God Amen. And say, this battle doesn't belong to me, but this battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. Whatever the problem is you're facing, whatever pain you're feeling, whatever crisis you may be going through, whatever you're confronting today, God can handle it. Amen. God is bigger than any problem. He is bigger than any situation. He is bigger than any person. And, and all we need to do today is trust him with that that we cannot handle or we cannot deal with. But we say, God, we give it all to you. Amen. Why? Because all things work together for good. It didn't feel good, but it's going to work for good. It hurt. It hurt my feelings, but it's going to work for good. I didn't understand it, but it's going to work for good. Amen. I'm not going to toss. I'm not going to turn. I'm not going to lose sleep. I'm not going to get an ulcer. I'm, I'm not going to lose my victory. I'm not going to let it steal my joy. I'm just going to give this to God because I believe that you are able to take care of it. I'm not going to turn around and get grouchy and get mad at the world and kick the dog and slap the cat and spit in the fish tank. I'm not going to take it out on everybody else. Come on, somebody. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to give it to the only one that is able to resolve this issue in my life. And God gets ready to take me someplace. I don't need all of that baggage of yesterday hanging on to me today. But I've got to let that junk go so I can go into my God-given destiny. Amen. And so I'm going to turn it over to the Lord and I'm going to plead the blood over it. And I'm going to turn everything over to Jesus.
And then the third thing, it was used for purification. Throughout the law of Moses, the idea is consistently taught that there is an inseparable connection between sin and death. Death and sin were synonymous. The Bible says it like this, who were dead in trespasses and in sins. The soul that sins shall die. The wages of sin is death. And for this reason, any person who had touched a dead body was contaminated and considered ceremonially unclean. They were unfit to socialize with other people or to enter into the tabernacle of worship. They couldn't approach God. They, they were unclean. And their defilement affected their uh, consecration and it hindered them from being able to fulfill their service before the Lord. It robbed them of their ability to minister to God and to man. It takes me back to the point that I made earlier that we have ineffective praise. Whenever we sing, we clap, we dance, we go through all of the motions, but we have all been recipients or we have all been through places in our life where that we we knew how to do it. We knew how to dadah, we knew how to uh, barak, we knew how to shabak, we knew how to do all of the things, you know, the seven ways of praise. We, we've learned that, we've learned how to do that, but, but we go through all of that, but yet we're not seeing cancer healed, we're not seeing uh, tumors removed, we're not seeing our bodies healed and set free and delivered. Why? Because we have a defiled worship and praise. Things that are unresolved, things that are not under the blood. Huh? I know it's strange today. It's called Repentance. Amen. I know that it's foreign today, but we still have to bow our knee before God and say, God, forgive me of my sin and have a godly sorrow and he will in no wise cast us out. Right? I don't even like to sit around dead things. Have you ever been to a butcher shop? It stinks. It's not a beautiful smell at all. Dead things stink, right? And I don't like to run with dead things. I'll pray for them, but I ain't running with them. I'm not going to sit by them. I don't eat with dead people. I don't run around with dead people. I don't hang out with dead people. I'm going to find me somebody that's got some power, and that's who I'm going to run with. Amen. I'm going to have somebody that to, to rub shoulders with. Just this past week, Renee uh, received a, a gift from one of our dear friends. And, and she said, you know, I love hanging out with these people because they make you want to do better. That's the kind of people you got to find to hang out with. That's the kind of people you got to run with. Dead people aren't going to do anything for you. Amen. All it's going to do is gather up stink. And you can't have an anointing in your life if you're playing around in the graveyard. You can't worship and praise God if you've been 
walking around in the tombs all week, handling corpse. Amen. You've got to you've got to say, I'm going to forsake all of that because I've got to get power and the power of God upon my life. Get away from the dead thing. The Bible said it this way. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. After the defilement, there had to be a way of restoration. There had to be a way of reconciliation. God didn't want to give up on a person just because they made one mistake. Is anybody thankful for that? I know I am. Amen. That, that he isn't just going to give up on us because we made a mistake, because we done the wrong thing, because he didn't want to lose man just because we've made the mistake. And, but yet we, we, we had to come to a place where that there was correction. God, God provided a ritual in the old covenant to cleanse from defilement. It was a red heifer, was provided in, at the public expense. The reason that it was provided at a public expense was because it would be good for the whole community. How many know it's good for the whole community when somebody comes to Christ? Yes, it is. Because whenever people come to Christ, the drug rate goes down. When people come to Christ, people quit stealing from one another. When people come to Christ, you know, they shut down the, the, the jails because they're not needed anymore. Because it's good for the whole community whenever folks come and, and give their heart to the Lord. And, and the sacrifice, the scripture says that the sacrifice was red. Not just any heifer, but a red heifer. If I've studied correctly, I believe that this is the only sacrifice that is designated by color. A red represents the blood. It was killed outside of the camp. It was as Christ was crucified outside of Jerusalem. You see, all of the old covenant was just a symbol, a shadow, and a type of things that were to come. <laughs> Hallelujah. And this sacrifice was red. It was sacrificed outside of the camp, just like Jesus was crucified outside of Jerusalem. It was a representation of things that was to come. It was completely burned. Everything was burned. The skin was burned. The flesh was burned. The blood was burned. The dung was burned. The bowels, everything about the, the red heifer was burned. It was ashes were gathered and saved. That's what was interesting to me. These ashes were saved. How many people saved their ashes? No, you take ashes out and throw them in the garden or you take the ashes out of your, uh, you know, your fireplace and you, you dispose of them, you get rid of them. Nobody keeps ashes, right? But here it tells us to save the ashes, to keep the ashes. When we look at this, we see ashes here were gathered and saved. So when a person was defiled, they could mix the ashes with hyssop and pure uh, purge them with hyssop, right? And with water. It is a, a shadow, it is a type of salvation. 
It was known as the water of separation. It was used for purification for sin. And whenever you look at it, I don't have time to preach it all today, but in this scripture here, you will find that this is a beautiful story of salvation, how that this was, uh, this mixture, this combination would talk to us about salvation as well as water baptism. And the defiled person was sprinkled on the third day and the seventh day. And we, again, don't have time to preach the third day or the seventh day, but it was pronounced on the seventh day that they were cleansed again. Right? Amen. So they kept the ashes of the red heifer so that they could be purified. And just in case, just in case, just in case someone went somewhere they weren't supposed to go. Just in case someone did something they weren't supposed to do. Just in case somebody touched something. Have you ever failed? Have you ever stumbled? Have you ever fallen? Have you ever gone somewhere, watched something, done something you knew you weren't supposed to do? And you needed purification. I know it's hard for us to admit because we've got a reputation to hold. But all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have trespassed. All of us have stumbled. All of us have fallen short. All of us have crossed the line. And in some way, we needed the purification, something better than ashes, something better than the red heifer, because they would only be a covering for our sin. But Jesus would come, and it would be the blood of Jesus that would come for us, that we could be purified and we could be cleansed from all of our sin. Amen? Hebrews 9 and 13 said, For the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctifieth unto purifying the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve a living God? (laughs) Amen. How much more? Is anybody thankful for 1 John 1 and 9, that if we confess our sins unto God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm thankful today that he is a cleansing God. Are you giving praise if you've ever fallen short, if you've ever stumbled and you went back and he cleansed you again? Amen. God said, burn it all. Burn it all. Tell your neighbor, you got to burn it all. You can't save any of it. You got to burn it all. You got to burn the skin. You got to burn the flesh. You got to burn the muscles. You got to burn the bowels. You've got to, you've got to burn the bones. You got to burn it all. You'll never be used of God until you burn up all of your yesterday. You got to burn up the past. You've got to burn up what those things, forgetting those things which are behind. You don't leave anything behind for the devil to ever use against you. Right? If you've ever make up your mind to follow God, you've got to burn it all up. Burn up the thoughts. Burn up the hurt feelings. Burn up the bad habits. Burn up the anger. Burn up the ideas. Burn up the memories. Burn up the gossip, 
Huh? Burn up the bitterness. Burn up the unforgiveness. Don't leave no tooth, no tail, no hoof, no hair. You burn it all up. Burn it all. The fire will change the molecular structure in its form. Amen. It'll change the structure. Whenever you burn it all up, the ashes are what has been changed from the, the red heifer, if you will, or the things of our life. It is the ashes that has been changed by the fire. When you go through the fire, it'll change your form. Amen. Fire has a way of changing you. I've changed because of the fire. What used to be funny ain't funny anymore. My friends are different. What makes me happy is different. I don't say the same things. I don't go the same places. I don't fit in the same space I used to fit in. Right? Not comfortable in a place I used to be comfortable. I've been through the fire. And it is the fire that purges the gold. Right? We all go through the fire. I know what it's like to go through the fire. <laughs> I've been through the fire. I've got the ashes to prove it. I'm talking about the fiery trials that come to destroy you. But God don't allow the fiery trials to come to destroy you. He allows them to come to change you from what you are to what he desires you to be. It is the picture of God removing you and all of the things that were in you so that he can use you where he's taking you. David would see the promise of God for another generation. The promise for another generation came to him, but yet he would never see the fulfillment of it, but yet it was fulfilled in his loins through Solomon. And God wants to change you. you don't, it don't mean that it's another generation that has to do it, but it does mean there has to be a change because he can't do in you what he has promised you. You can't stay the way you are when you receive the promise and yet obtain the promise. You have to go through the fire. You have to go through the change. You have to go through difficult situations sometimes, and it is in the burning, right? It is in the burning and the process that nobody wants to go through. Anybody hear me today? The burning that can't nobody help. Burning and no one cares. Burning and your tears can't put out the flames. Burning and you can't find a friend. Burning and you can't say a word. Burning at work, burning at home, 
burning at church. You go through the furnace of affliction and with it heated up seven times hotter and it seems like that there's nowhere to turn. You're just in this process of burning and after the burning is over and after everything that you've, you've been tried and everything that you have has been tested, after you've gone through hell and high water, God says, keep the ashes. Keep the ashes. But God, I don't want to remember any of that. I, want to, I don't want anything to die. I want to forgive the ashes. But he said, keep the ashes. I know you've been through the fire. I know that you've, you have to save those ashes. Why? Because the ashes are what is left after the fire is out. What do you have left after the fire? What do you have left after the fiery trial? What do you have left after you have given yourself and you've forsaken all to follow Christ? What do you have left? You have the ashes and those ashes are what remains. It's what made you go through the fire. When your fire trials are over, you need something left. Your faith will be burned, but you will not burn up. And whenever you go through those fires, you keep the faith. Why? Because the trying of your faith works patience. Why keep the ashes? God will use what you have left to bless you. You, whatever you go through in your life and it is removed, if it is people, if it is things, your blessing is not attached to what has been removed. Your blessing is attached to what remains. And so when things when th in your life that is going to cause you to obtain what your heart desire is that's going to make it happen, because they will many times burn up when the fiery tests come to your life. Huh? When you go through fiery trials, you'll find out who your friends are. Yeah, yeah those phone calls will quit coming in a hurry. They won't be around wanting to buddy-buddy with you then. When the difficult times come, Many of it will burn up. My granddad used to tell me, he said, if you'd have five real friends during your lifetime, he said, you, you'd consider yourself a blessed man. And that was a long time ago. I'm, I would say if you have three today, you're doing really good. But when you go through the fires, it's what you got left on the other side. When you come out. That's what you can hold on. That's what you can build on. Amen. Where was the temple built? It was built where those ashes were laying. Solomon come back to the place where the ashes were. And it was there that he built the temple before the Lord. God wants you to build your future on what remains. Not what you used to have. Not what you thought you should have. But what remains after the fire is out. After the trial is over. That's what you can build your promise on. That's what you can build your confidence on. If you don't have a confidence today, you can have it in Jesus Christ. If there's things in your life, if you've been there, you've done that, you've gone places, you've done things that you shouldn't have done, the altar is a place that we exchange that. 
We say, God, here I am. I lay it on the altar. I surrender it all, burn it all up. Amen. And I give it to you. I confess it to you. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And in that confession, we can find restoration. And we can find a hope. Jesus came so we could have that hope. Amen. We surrender it all to him today. I don't know how you would respond to this today, however it is in your heart, but uh, this altar is open today if you would like to pray. If you haven't ever accepted Christ as your Savior, or your relationship has grown cold and indifferent in Him. Or maybe you're going through the fiery trial. And you just want to thank Him today for the ashes that are left and say, I'm trusting you. My confidence is in you. My hope is in you. Amen. Whatever it may be, this altar is open today for your response.